Hi, welcome to The Magic Hour with Anthony Alvarado and Jason Traeger. Hello. We are going to be talking about magic mushrooms today. Later in the show, I'm talking with an anonymous person here in Portland who gives us the ins and outs about how to <laughs> go out and find mushrooms in the wild and uh, in your neighbor's lawns. Have you ever gone out picking hallucinogenic mushrooms? I have, yeah. We went out, I went out with the same buddy and we went and looked in Forest Park. And there's mm -hmm. some good spots out there. Um, there's also, there's kind of a movement to people that are in the know on how to find these and are planting them around mm -hmm. Portland. And I guess there was a spot over by, actually over by uh, Lads Edition that had a, a crop like last year or huh. two, but I think I think it may have been like pillaged. Pillaged. Yeah, I remember in Olympia when I lived up there, some friends used to uh, vid find patches of cyanescens, the little wavy cap mushrooms, uh -huh. um, and would dig up the mycelium and like grind. Like, this is usually in wood chips, uh -huh. and they would uh, you know take it and put it on wood chips near their house, and then yeah. you know in the next year there would be like a huge bunch, and there was one house in Olympia that had ivy all around it. And if you parted the right time of year, if you parted the ivy, it was just all wow. uh, cyanescence underneath yeah. there. It's amazing. That is. I, there was a guy up in Seattle named Mushroom John who uh, was just a mushroom, um, I think it's a mycophile. And he, uh -huh. would, he would get driven around and go uh, sell mushrooms all over town. Hmm. But people, he, he, I don't think he could drive. He would like never learned to drive, so people would just drive him around in exchange for mushrooms. Oh wow! He'd just kind of go the original everywhere. Uber. Yeah, he was yeah. Lyft, getting high yeah. on Lyft. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's really interesting to me that they that there's so many psilocybin mushrooms in the Northwest, and mm -hmm. but that there's no history of the Native American uh, people of the Pacific Northwest coast using them. Yeah, that is, and especially when you look at the art of the Pacific Northwest Indians. It's like, it looks so mushroomish, <laughs> or there's an element Maybe to it. Maybe they just never really wrote it down or told anybody about it. Yeah, it seems weird, though, that there wouldn't be some, or that there wouldn't be at least art of, of yeah, mushrooms. Yeah, it, it know, seems like of, most of the um, usage by uh, older cultures of, of like psychedelic drugs like ayahuasca and iboga stuff is all, I associate that with like, South America oh, yeah, and Central sure. America. Central America, Mexico, so South America. Were, were the North American peoples just not tripping? Or? I don't know. It, it just does not seem, I mean, obviously there's the peyote, but even most of the peyote use in the desert Southwest was like a modern arrival from Mexico Oh yeah. into like Native American uh, communities. Uh, the church of, you know, peyote churches of like the 30s and 40s and yeah. 50s. But uh yeah, it's very surprising, mostly because they're here in profusion, uh -huh. that it makes you go, how? Yeah, that's so that? strange. Because uh, there's places where obviously there's not no psychedelics or, or very few, so people don't. But you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. I mean, I think that there's probably a lot of cases of like, did they or didn't they trip when you, like I, there's theories about um, all kinds of cultures, like the ancient Greeks, there's theories that Oh, the nectar and ambrosia of the gods that they talk about in um, in the Odyssey yeah. or in the I think it's the Elysian rites that people would do every seven years. They would drink something and 
um, Soma, right? Yeah, or there's that Soma was, in, in Hindu and um, yeah, the, or the Elysian Mysteries. Yeah, yeah the Elysian Mysteries. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been different. I've read that they thought that might be ergotized wheat, wheat right. that had the ergot on it, or um, you know, in the in the case of Soma, that was like Gordon Wasson's idea was that the Amanita muscaria mushroom, was, which I've was, taken before, and I I ate that. I, I picked a big one in Olympia. Is that the one that's red with red white with the fairy spots? dots? Yeah, yeah. Um, the the typical gnome mushroom, the fairy uh -huh. mushroom, beautiful, beautiful mushroom. Does that one make you throw up? No, well, you know, it's weird because it's one of those ones where it's categorized in some books as being poisonous. Yeah, and that's others, what I've always they're seen. They're like, you know, it's not, and yeah. and but that it's hallucinogenic, but it's not, uh, it's not. Psilocybin. Instead, it's I think the active ingredient is something called muscarine okay. or muscimol, M-U-S-C-I-M-O-L, and so it's a different whole deal, but that it is psychoactive, and it's used in Siberian shamanism and right. uh, by the uh, natives of the Great Lakes, uh -huh. and it's one of those ones too that it, it um, survives the digestive tract. So they, you know, it's you known it, for being extracted through how urine. Oh, urine. Yeah, they would drink like the urine of, of reindeer that ate oh, it. Oh, wow, yeah. Or you'd I've... eat it yourself and then right. drink the urine. So there was that aspect. So, but, and, and so I was, of course, this was when I was, I don't know, probably in my 20s, and I was just curious about all psychedelics. So, so. I, I like trying to figure out how, like, imagine the guy that figured, yeah, you know, first I'm drink really the reindeer thirsty. Urine. You know what? I'm just going to go for it, drink this reindeer urine. You hey. got to wonder, a nice hot cup of something <laughs> when you're out there in the plains. Yeah. I don't know. It is strange. Well, that's the same mystery of like uh, who. <laughs> and it also makes you think there could there could be stuff out there that we just haven't discovered because nobody's thought to try it. Yeah, yeah. Some, something kind of gross, and it's actually totally psychoactive. You wonder, like a rotten bologna sandwich. Yeah, the that's the one. Banana peels. <laughs> but the uh, what was he saying? I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to say there's also I've heard this the theory that the early Christian. Um, idea of like communion was actually a mushroom. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, like yeah, well, they talk about it. I mean, that's out. one of the names for mushrooms in, the, in Mexico is uh -huh. the flesh of the gods. Yeah. Uh, Teo, I don't know how to say it, but Teotonactal or something. Um, and then there's the classic theory by, is it McKenna, who mm -hmm. thinks that humans first evolved language and the idea of consciousness because some ape was tripping balls on mushrooms sure. and that's kind of where we well i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be surprised just considering that it, you know the terence mckenna idea that like you know when animals were following cattle and things like that there would be you know that's a lot of corporophilic mushrooms like the mm. cubensis you know the big mm -hmm. ones those grow on cow dung mm -hmm. um famously and Still do. you know and you and when you like he said before you know if you saw those these massive because they can be huge you know you're going to try them at some point it's like <laughs> of course and then yeah. you're going to have this crazy experience you, uh, you don't necessarily have the option back then of like well am i going to try to eat this thing or not you're yeah gonna, you're going to try it because it's there yeah and then you're going to have this profound experience and i could totally see how that makes sense to me it makes as much sense as anything else that would kickstart humanity into uh but yeah. then you go, really? There's a mushroom to blame for everything? Because then somebody has made, <laughs> maybe it's Terrence McKenna made some observation that the mushroom at the beginning of history and at the end of history, uh -huh. the mushroom cloud. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know, it could be. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I think he, is, he also had the idea that there's sort of an alien consciousness from, an, from another 
know. Yeah, well, that's the thing with mushrooms that's so interesting when you really, because I've I've done psilocybin mushrooms. You know, I don't I don't know. I always ballpark it and say like two hundred times. Okay, wow. But like quite a quite a few times. Yeah, a lot. My twenties were really when I was like hitting it real hard. You know, Uh trying like I just had a lot of access, and um, I was living in San Francisco. Had tons of access. And I was, and I was super deep in Terrence McKenna uh-huh. in like the '80s and '90s, and uh, pre-internet. I, yeah. And so, so I, you know, just read all the, all his books and all the things about it, and it was just, and it was just the most interesting thing I could, I'd ever Absolutely. experienced. Absolutely, it's just know? so out there. When so, you, when you so first... interesting. I was like, and I had the same reaction that other people do. You know, like, how is this not something that everybody's studying? And yeah. why aren't our best minds like? Yeah. It's just so. It, it really did strike me as like, oh, I'm living in a time that is regressive and has like huge mm-hmm. hangups and cultural prejudices that don't allow us to pay attention to the right. most interesting things. Yeah. And that's sad and crazy. And, and not, I feel like we nice. might be heading by, who knows what's going to happen next, but I, I hope that we're heading towards a time where people are going to be able to, to study psychedelics. Oh, we'll, it and already mushrooms. is happening for sure. Yeah. There's yeah. tons of studies now and, and it's opening up way more than it used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, in psychology, there's all kinds of interesting articles about things that are happening with DMT, with psilocybin, um, with end of life, with the hospice people, um, you know, reporting like, oh, you can induce a mystical state for mm-hmm. many, many people. Mm-hmm. It works out as a very positive thing. And, and, you know, they've done tests with people who are dying cancer patients who've had a psilocybin experience first time in their lives. And they're like, they put it in their top five experiences of their yeah. entire life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it really, because it does speak to that particular it's just, question. Yeah, it's amazing that like we've... I've said before on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it speaks to the end of life because it yeah. really gives you a model of what it could be like. And once you see it and you go, oh, okay, I can kind of imagine a whole different way of being without a body in a non-dimensional, non-temporal space. Yeah, and then there's there's the whole, I mean, just the legality of it. Like I... I know, you know, with with the kind of the main interview that's coming up here later in the show, um, my friend is anonymous for the whole time, and I can't blame him. And I'm not even sure what the legality is of what I can and can't or should and shouldn't say as far as. But I've heard it. I've heard people say, well, if you're going to talk about mushrooms, you got to couch it in the past, and then it's fine. Yeah, as long as you're like. This was actually, all seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. So and that's fair. I mean, the thing is, like those, those, those. Like, I haven't done psychedelics. I can honestly say I've not done psychedelics in years. Okay. And it's something that I think about probably every single day of my life. <laughs> okay. And it's absolutely current. Not, not the doing of them, but no, no, the, do, but the, the, the experience, experience and the implications yeah. of the experience yeah. and what it could possibly mean. My yeah. the visions that the ideas and visions that have inspired me, uh, my way of seeing the world. It it. Uh, just affects it, yeah. it. It changes, and you, and permanently. So I'm, you know, it's it's interesting that something can be so not a part of my life, and yet so much part of my life mm-hmm. at the same time. It's very interesting. Yeah, and it feels it's a hundred percent current thing with me. I feel. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you have to uh, do mushrooms every Tuesday to like. To get the message. No, I definitely <laughs> used to do that in my twenties. Though I was definitely into like all every weekend or every couple weekends, you know, that kind of thing, uh-huh. um, in big amounts, and you know, yeah, it was deep exploration for sure. Yeah, deep, deep study. <clears throat> well, stick around, listeners. We're going to be talking with a mushroom expert who will be giving us the down low on where to find mushrooms, 
and I think I should say I'm not condoning or telling no, you to, to go do this. Oh not. my goodness, don't do that. But they are not for everyone. It's so true. That's the thing I've often talked with people who've asked me if they should try them or uh -huh. if they think everyone. If I think everyone should, and I've always said like no. If they don't call to you and it's not something that like sounds really interesting and you don't feel like it's an, you're in a good place, why would you? You know. Yeah, sure. But uh, if it does call to you and it is interesting and it's something that you study up on and you, there's so much material you can read about it and you can get become so knowledgeable and then you can do it in a way that's safe. And uh, but if it doesn't call to you in traditional cultures, um, whatever you want to call them, pre-literate type cultures. Sure. Um, you know, there was, it was never a case typically that the whole village would take uh -huh. psychedelics together. It was usually like, you know, a few people that are really into them. Yeah. And then they would come back and be able to make this sense of something. This is what I something. figured out or saw. Yeah. Or, yeah. And that's a, you know, probably a, not a bad way. Yeah. I think it, it's kind of similar to, to how it works now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it could be. I mean, at least for just natural interest and vocation towards things. Yeah. Yeah. In the conversation you're about to hear, I'm talking with a mushroom hunter from the Pacific Northwest, here in the studios at X-Ray FM. For legal reasons, I don't mention his name during the interview and he will remain anonymous. I can tell you that this person is someone I consider to be something of an expert on the subject of psilocybe mushrooms, and if you're curious about what it takes to find magic mushrooms, you're really going to enjoy this conversation. That said, Psilocybe mushrooms are illegal. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me here in the studios at X-Ray to talk about uh, mushrooms. I'm going to be talking with uh, a, a friend of mine who I consider the most knowledgeable person that I know about mushroom hunting, mushroom gathering, finding mushrooms. And so I'm just really excited to have you here in the studio today to talk a little bit about uh, gathering mushrooms here in the Pacific Northwest. And oh, great. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Sorry to cut you off there. No, it's fine. So how did you first get interested in, in mushroom hunting, mushroom gathering? Uh, well, it, it was a few years ago when I was in college. Um, uh, I, was, I was going to school for forestry, mm -hmm. and we spent a lot of time out in the woods. Um, the campus that I was at had a, a creek running behind it. Uh-huh. Um, and there... Uh, I started seeing mushrooms all over the place because I'm spending all this time outside in the woods. Yeah. Uh, 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 doing your I'm, homework, you're out there look, identifying things. Yeah, well, we're learning how to, you know, sample trees and um, uh, just how the whole forestry uh, uh, kind of timber industry and stuff works. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of that you can't really do from a classroom. We were out in the woods. Uh, Another student had gone to school briefly for mycology, um, uh -huh. and I started just asking him all sorts of questions about stuff. Um, and I guess the first, the first mushrooms I really found uh, that got me going were um, uh, oyster mushrooms. Uh huh. Um, and it those was are 
like the, you can cut them up, just fry them up in a pan, eat them. Oh yeah, uh, you, I, I mean they're a really common cultivated mushroom anymore. Okay, um, yeah, I think I've seen them in the in the grocery store. Yeah, sure, and and they kind of have an oyster shape to them. Yeah, they grow all over the place, out of uh, um, cottonwoods and and alder and stuff. So you found some here. oyster mushrooms. And I found like... some oyster mushrooms. Got a positive idea on them. Yeah, went home, ate them, and it was just so satisfying. Right. to have like, you know, gathered. Gather this delicious food. Yeah, you um, can't. You can't really do that with hardly anything that you can just kind of go out into the woods and be like, "Oh, I found this, you know, this hamburger or this, you know, like nothing." There's right. not much that grows out out in the woods that you can just go and grab and take home and, and cook it up like that. Well, there's a ton, but it, uh, but it whatever. This got me excited, and then yeah. I found some uh, 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 king bullets or. Belita sedulis or porcini, whatever you want to call them, and that was really exciting. They're super delicious, um, and just had a dialogue going with this this other student, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so so that's how I got interested in it. That's so I, that's where I started, and there's so much information out there that you can really just kind of go for forever. Yeah, with, I, I know that, that you're you're also interested in. Uh, psilocybe mushrooms, but you're saying that you first got into the mushroom ID and gathering with edibles, and that was sort of like what got you into yeah. Finding... I mean, I had I had eaten uh, uh, psilocybe mushrooms, you know, more extensively maybe in my early twenties, mm-hmm. um, but it it was a natural place that this dialogue I had with the other student ended up going to was you know do you do you ever see these around i know that they they grow in this this region psilocybe uh, mushrooms psilocybe mushrooms psilocybe. Yeah. Or, or or psilocybe pronounce it however you want it's okay. a dead language <laughs> um uh and uh he, he said yeah so there's all the all these different ones that grow in urban settings mm-hmm. and um so you're able to find them like just around Portland. Yeah, I mean, it it took me a couple years of really keeping my eyes open everywhere I went to to find them. Yeah, he was he was gracious enough to point some out to me at a spot that he knew. Yeah. Do you um, think Do you think that so, to get to the level where you can safely identify mushrooms, whether they're edible mushrooms or psilocybe mushrooms, you need a mentor? I mean, if you can find a guy that you trust. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who you think knows these things that you who, who you're fairly confident has this yeah. information that is probably a lot easier. Sure. I mean, I I I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who have done it exclusively by themselves with yeah. books and just going on the internet and looking at habitat pictures. People are people want to show off, so they they put pictures up of 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 mushrooms on the, on that the they internet. found all over the place I've, and yeah. And I've always I've always been curious about I mean mostly you know I guess like you're saying like in college you you try my magic mushrooms you're like this is amazing and then you realize like okay this this stuff just growing out in the woods somewhere like if I could just go out and, and find that it's like free drugs are growing out in the woods that's amazing but then I'm I've always been too nervous that I'd go out in the woods and pick something and eat it and die so, oh right! I mean, I I probably found him a couple times, or you know, three or four times before I was certain yeah. that I that that was what I had. Yeah. And uh, and and stuck with it. Um, there's there's a lot of indicators, you know. Uh, it 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 helps to have a specific species 
mm-hmm. that you're looking for. And um, yeah, so let, let's talk about those indicators. Like, okay, what what are when people talk about magic mushrooms? What do you think is the is there like a common species that most of the time that's what they're talking about, or is it just a oh, grab bag? Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. When when people talk about magic mushrooms, I think you know probably like a, a vast majority of the time. I can't put a number on it, obviously. Say eighty three percent. I have no idea. A, a vast majority of the time, people are, are talking about cubensis because uh-huh. those are the the easiest to grow indoors. Okay. Like, and then is that co- do you college think... students all over the country yeah. are growing them in their dorm room out of a out of a Tupperware container? So when you know? I was when I was buying mushrooms in college from from somebody, that's they're probably cubensis that had probably been grown like under somebody's dorm room bed. Most right. Likely, and like and that. and spores are readily available. Um, because spores don't contain psilocin mm-hmm. or, or any of its analogs. So, so spores are legal to have. They're totally legal to have. They're legal to sell and to ship. So uh, uh, Cubenzies grows really well from, from yeah. spore in, in basically our, our room temperature environments uh-huh. or like slightly above room temperature humidity environments. So it's, it's a really easy one. It's, it's pretty available, um, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so yeah, I've even seen head shops that will sell, sell spore prints out of the head shop. Yeah, M- maybe not around here, but yeah, in like Minnesota, like, I saw that. You can do what you want with these spores. We don't know, right? What what you might have planned? Yeah, so instructions. It, <laughs> I mean, maybe this is breaking topic a little bit, but uh, yeah, go for it. It's it's interesting. Uh, the drug laws with with all other naturally occurring. Uh, uh, substances uh-huh. they they give a specific species that that you can't have like, so like like cannabis. you can't have cannabis you can't grow cannabis whether it has cannabinoids in it or not well you like, can't hear an organ now well yeah but but most places but i i mean uh it, but but with mushrooms uh the thing that's illegal is psilocin and any of its analogs which is the substance in the mushroom, which is the substance in the mushroom. So and is that is is that in the spores or is it's it's, it's it's just inside the, the like the flesh of the mushroom? It's just inside the flesh of the mushroom. I don't even think it's in the mycelium, um, in in any sort of like amount that they've been able to. So the mushroom like produces this this uh, psilocin. Yeah, or or any number of analogs. And that um, the psilocin is what people are tripping on when you take magic mushrooms the psilocin is what is is causing the the psychedelic experience yes that that's the understanding that yeah. i have um yeah. i mean they haven't uh, until recently there was like a 40 year ban mm-hmm. on on scientifically like Unlocking examining <laughs> these things um it's so close-minded like <clears throat> okay you can't even research this at a you know in an academic or university setting. Yeah, and and they've started to open that up a lot more in the last ten years. Yeah. Um. But so so it's it's the chemical that's illegal, and so I think technically, if you had cubensis that didn't have any of these analogs in them, you like didn't... it wouldn't be an illegal substance. Right. Of course, you wouldn't get any of the effects out of it, and so yeah. it, it shouldn't be. But what's so weird to um, me about like. Um, about our understanding of mushrooms and how that's developed is that I feel like people, if you go back to even, you know, the 50s, the beatniks or whatever, people didn't have a lot of awareness about magic mushrooms. Like, I think uh, it was a Life magazine article that made people right. really aware. Was it Wasson? 
Was that the guy's yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Gordon um, Lawson. And, and, and he was talking about the, the Mexican. Was uh, it the Fly Agaric? No, I think it was uh, Psilocybe Mexicana was okay. specifically the one that, that the article kind of centered around. Yeah. But it but it, it basically gave a field guide right. in this article <laughs> in a time on, life. On, on how to find these things. <laughs> um, and, and it came out, I think, the mid-50s. And there people had known about him before, yeah. like, like it w- within an academic circle. But that really, like, yeah. it blew it onto the mainstream. Yeah, and, at just the right time, too. Like, it just, as, you know, kind of like people are like, you know, snapping their fingers over beatnik poetry and bongos. And well, and like, LSD we... was kind of making its emergence right. as well through through totally different channels. And so I think there yeah. was just like there was a lot of attention on on, on psychedelics, on psychedelics yeah. in general. Um, but yeah, what what what's really crazy is that like cultures all over the world have had access or used uh, psychedelic mushrooms in one form or another. For, Argu- ar- arguably, I mean, really, yeah. Well, yeah, arguably, but I mean, it's not like they were writing down this is right. But we, we what we're think, doing, but our best guess is we that, think that, that people have known about this stuff for a really long time. But American civilization, it was like in the fifties. This, this article comes out, and everybody's like, "Whoa, this this stuff's growing all over." Like it's growing. It was growing in the Northwest, right? And Right, and I think it took him another ten years to really like to really kind of put that together. solidify that. I'm sure there were some mycologists out there that were like, "Yeah, well, we have really similar stuff here." But, yeah, and they and they'd known about it, forever. but it wasn't until like I think the late '60s that people were really like, yeah, uh, getting into identifying those things. Yeah, and and, and we got guys like uh, Paul Stamets uh-huh. who who really started uh, separating them, you know, and, and instead of just saying that there's like this one psilocybe yeah, always... species, like. Uh, Paul Stamets, I think he started with the Stuncii, which was was or probably still is uh, really common up up in the Puget Sound area. Uh-huh. And he picked um, uh, a bunch of them and sent them to, I think it was Vasan. So Stamets it was, it was a guy, or, 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 or it might have been Guzman. I'm, I'm, I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I, I don't know. A but lot, he sent them to a lot of these these names. So Stamets sure. is a guy that is uh, he's an academic. And a mushroom expert, and he—I—I I know that like now you can buy Stamets mushroom capsules in the health aisle. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like he has a I line. Of, that. He has a line of different like, uh, you know, this is for digestion. Yeah, I—I I think his company is called Fungi Perfecti, and and he doesn't—he doesn't sell any of the the psychedelic mushroom spores. That's where he started. Right. Okay. And it's it's kind of it's it's something that he talks about a lot. But mm-hmm. but he made the decision not to make that his his business. But, but so he's kind of the big mushroom, like the, would you say like the godfather of like modern mushroom uh, uh, it, exploring. In, in my opinion, that's kind of how I feel about him. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's like Terrence McKenna and a lot of other people sure, that yeah. that definitely went deeper into like the e- e- experiential yeah, yeah. aspects of it, but. Um. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think, I think Stamets is kind of, kind of the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was. He wrote. Is it Mushrooms Demystified? Is that his book? No, Mushrooms Demystified is David Aurora, and okay. and he's out in Northern California, and and he he that that's definitely the best uh, field guide uh-huh. for for this area. It's it's out of date by yeah. at least a decade. 
Well, mushroom, um, I mean, are the fashions and mushroom identification really changing that quickly? Oh, yeah, super or? fast, super really? fast. Yeah, yeah. Like more, um, more info is being discovered. Oh, DNA has changed everything. I mean, everything uh, before was just like macroscopic similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe like like they'd look at the spores and, mm-hmm. and there would be some similarities with that. But but now that they're doing DNA, like they're, things are getting shuffled around all over the place. And it's my opinion that mushrooms change faster than mm. a lot of other things in uh-huh. nature. Um, uh-huh. and, and, and so that's why there's so much new information all the time is not only that we've misclassified things and, and done stuff, but there, there, there's so much genetic information going on yeah. and, and exchange and con- condition changes that they, yeah. um, I mean, I'm getting tongue-tied here. Well, let, let's talk about, before we get into the more, uh, uh, the more kind of like the science of it, I sure. think I'm curious about like just what, are the, what does mushroom hunting look like? Like if if you are going out, and let's specifically talk about um, psilocybe mushrooms or uh, sure. magic mushrooms. Like if you want to go out into the woods and find mushrooms that are going to alter your perception, like... Where do you go? What what kind of stuff do you look for? Like what like and not that I'm not advising anybody to listen to this show and then run out and think that they can ID mushrooms. Please don't. But just what's the experience? Like how hard is it once you do know what to look for? How hard is it to find this stuff? How rare is it? I wouldn't I wouldn't look in the woods. Really? Because that's what I yeah. assumed. I, I assumed mean, there's there's like there's species out. that grow in the woods. You you probably find uh, gymnopolis. Uh huh. Um, uh, lutifolius growing out of like some decaying stumps somewhere. So where would you look? Um, but but you're not going to find a huge yield of that, and they're really bitter and uh-huh. and not particularly strong. Yeah. Um. I I'd, I'd go to uh an ungulate pasture, where where some where ungulate is uh for. Four-legged um, grass-eating animals. Grass-eating cow. Yeah, like cows, sheep. Cows, horse. Um, horses. And, and and uh, you know, where any, like, four-legged animal eats a lot of... things are on the grass. All the time, yeah, <laughs> where a lot of them are. Um, that's where the mushrooms Because are. that's, like, pre, pre-digested lignus material that mushrooms just love to, to grow out of. So lignus is, like, woody. Lign- okay, thank um, you. <laughs> uh, and... and uh, uh, it, so, so, so that's like a really stereotypical place to look, cow, but it's a great place patties. to look. Cow, cow patties, horse pastures. Yeah. Um, so, so the most common, uh, psychedelic mushroom in the world is the, uh, Penelis synctilis or the one that they, that they're aware of, mm-hmm. um, is, is Penelis synctilis and it grows anywhere. I had some of those just the other day. Oh yeah? Yeah. Uh, and, and it grows, uh, wherever horses are. Okay. Like if there's horses it's, there, it's going to fall. It's horse specific, not cow. It, it it's maybe not specific. But that's where it it's maybe not to... specific. Like yeah. like you'd probably be able to find it growing from rotten hay or uh, sheep sheep poop as well. But and what about? I've always heard of people going to the beach to look for mushrooms. Is that like a different in northern? Or? Well, in yeah. So so the psilocybe species uh, grow at the beach specifically. Uh, psilocybe azurescens mm-hmm. grows near the delta of the Columbia River, mm-hmm. um, in in the dunes mm-hmm. where where the um, Army Corps of Engineers planted uh, European dune grass in oh. order to like uh, stabilize the dunes. Uh-huh. Um, it loves that area, yeah. and and it's kind of the 
its its natural habitat. It's this really small area, so, um, and and people are watching out there. Oh yeah, like they know that they're there. Uh, Astoria Police Department, really, I think, really likes to make a little bit of extra money at the end of the fall. So they'll keep they'll keep um, an eye on um, people an eye going on out there and swoop in and be like, "What's in your bag?" I've seen I've seen pictures of um, of rangers with binoculars. Oh God, watching people. <laughs> um, so and, watch out for that spot. And uh, I've I've seen a lot of photographs posted on the internet of people getting arrested. Other hunters uh-huh. will see somebody getting arrested and escorted out, and so that's like. It's interesting. It's I like mean, that's a danger anywhere yeah, when sure. when you're doing this is if people are aware that they're there and, you know, most people that are going to be aware aren't going to really care, but the yeah. the law does. Right. And the law really they're, cares. They're paying attention to it and then you got to, yeah. So, and it's interesting that there, like there's these different species and they have different tendencies as far as where they grow. Um, like we talked about. But most uh, of them follow, follow disturbance. Okay. Um, Talk about that. What's that? Well, you know, cows are a huge disturbance. Okay. Right? So they're, they're like they're they're messing up uh, a, an ecosystem, or, or, or they're uh, yeah, they're they're creating a lot of debris of uh-huh. some sort. Right. Um, and then uh, a, a really common uh, mushroom that we find around here is uh, Psilocybe cyanescence, mm-hmm. and they probably occur somewhere in nature. I mm-hmm. think you can find them in the dune grass. Um, but, but the most common place you're going to find them is in mulch, in like beauty mulch around people's gardens. Like bark chips. Yeah. Sawdust. Uh, probably not bark chips. Uh, I, I think more specifically like blonde hardwoods. Okay. Um, but yeah, in, in, in wood chipped gardens, mm-hmm. that's, uh, I'd say, you know, so most it, of them are growing there. You might growing... find like an alder patch somewhere with a bunch of woody debris and like a couple of them growing there but nothing like what you would see in in the urban environment they they they're really following us around because Mm -hmm. we're a huge disturbance we give them a lot of stuff to eat Mm -hmm. and i think that they're probably genetically changing because of the amount of disturbance that we create and 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 the amount of food that we leave Mm -hmm. for them Mm -hmm. um and I feel like there's a spiritual significance to that. Yeah. Because I feel like they're messengers mm-hmm. um, between, uh, you know, the forest, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, and, and us. Yeah. Between the ecosystem and us. It's almost like a symbiotic relationship where we're going around, we're making gardens, wood chips. Yeah, well, it's they're... very definitely a symbiotic relationship. Um, and and, and I, I, I think that they're trying to talk to us essentially yeah um and 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 paul stamets will get behind me on on this i believe um Uh uh, and and he's really fond of pointing out that that one of the more common uh breakthroughs that people have when they when they ingest psilocybin is is a closeness to nature sure yeah and uh kind of a call to action to Uh to save nature so what about this idea that's in uh, Terrence McKenna and I think maybe some other places? It's kind of out there, but it's this idea that w- mushrooms, according to Terrence McKenna, psychedelic mushrooms are messengers from another planet. Um, that and that's they've they've come here to tell us something. Sure, you know, have I you mean, heard of this this theory or? Uh, yeah, the, the that is like a cosmic consciousness, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, yeah. and I think Terrence McKenna goes to the extent to say that like 
like a, a the missing link in human as, evolution is yeah. this like stoned ape theory right. thing where like that's it yeah the apes all start eating mushrooms and right. then they attain this cosmic consciousness and that's how we learned how to talk basically right yeah. um logos i mean i i i feel like there's a really common feeling that mushrooms are telling you something uh-huh. and and uh that part of the reason that people continue to eat them over and over and over again in the way that they do is because they feel like they didn't quite get to that message. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's like a tease almost. Or, yeah. There's this he, message out there. I'll get it next time. Right. And and so I, I can totally, like, see why somebody would use that either analogously to talk about them or really, I, yeah, like, end yeah, up yeah. believing that they're cosmic uh, uh, messengers, you uh-huh. know? So sort of like how I feel like uh, they're they're a messenger between nature and and right. and 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 the end user um, yeah. you know and, and to to the extent where I've really thought that they were taking the experiences of the specific tree that they were growing out of and uh-huh. trying to relay those to me you know as, as far as like really interesting kind of far out there ideas go sure. Stamets gets really into like like kind of the cosmic messenger type thing as well okay, but yeah. but he likes to uh, y- y- you know in the talks that I've I've watched on YouTube. Uh-huh. Um, he'll like show a picture of a mycelial network, and then he'll show a picture of like, uh, you know, a, a planet cluster, like a cosmic mm-hmm. scene, um, and then he'll show a picture of like brain synapses, mm-hmm. and they all kind they of all, have this web-like yeah. structure. Yeah. And and he he makes this you know fairly eloquent eloquent if if maybe overly romanticized like like. Uh, connection between between all of them and and so like that's how he gets through the the cosmic consciousness thing where it's like a repetitive structure over and yeah, over again like a fractal and, what i think that what um stamets and mckenna are saying when they are saying that uh mycelium or mushrooms are some sort of alien intelligence um the idea is that they were actually uh knocked that they travel from planet-to-planet, uh, planet, solar system-to-solar system by, I think it's called panspermia. It's this, um, like an asteroid will hit a planet and knock the, the dust, and it'll just, like, be flying through mm. the cosmos until it lands on, on some other um, planet. And then it's is, basically, like, terraforming or something? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe it is, you know, maybe. And then it, it gets into whatever... I could uh, see mycelial networks as being like like super terraformers, yeah, you know. But deadly mushrooms are important to include in this conversation sure, as well. Yeah. Since we were talking about hunting, mm-hmm. I think uh, you know whether you're hunting for uh, uh, culinary mushrooms or psychedelic mm-hmm. mushrooms, mm-hmm. it's really important to familiarize yourself with with what the the deadly or potentially like uh, yeah. what un- are s- un- uncomfortable mushrooms are going to look like. What are some to watch out for? Um. Well, you know, if 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 you're going for king beliefs, it's good to know what all the poisonous beliefs look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's always good to know what what like a uh, what the deadly amanitas look like mm-hmm. um, in their various stages, um, and uh, like the gallerina species. Uh, if if you're going for psychedelic mushrooms, you have to know what what uh, yeah gallerina marginata looks like. Because it's it's one of the more similar looking ones. So let's let's say I, I accidentally ate a gallerina mushroom, just you know for some reason I thought it was something else. I ate it. Like what? 
am I going to die for sure? Or like, what's the odds? Like, how um, does that work? How does it break break down as far as uh, I, like liver I, failure? I don't know how much it takes yeah. exactly, but I know that it's not a whole lot. Um, and, and that even a small amount can result in future liver failure or, mm-hmm. or future liver problems. Yeah. Um, Every once in a while you hear about that happening. With right. And, and, and I think what it is is it's aminotoxins in, in the gallerina. Mm-hmm. And it basically causes you to digest your own, your own gut. Do you feel when, when you're out uh, and you're identifying and, and hunting for mushrooms, uh, do you how do you feel like totally confident, like beyond a shadow of a doubt? Like, do you ever have any worry? And if like, how do you handle that? I that, wouldn't consume it if I had any any doubt any yeah. doubt at all. Yeah. Um, and um, I mean, and that goes for for all mushrooms, berries, yeah. Yeah, anything yeah. that I pick. Um, yeah. And what is it? Is the fall the season for mushroom hunting? Is that or is uh, it wider than around that? here? For the most part, it's going to be the fall. You're uh-huh. going to have the the most. Uh, different species growing. You're going to have the largest flushes in most cases. Does, does that have to do with uh, rain predominantly, or is it a whole bunch of factors? It's rain and temperature. Rain and temperature. So, so the wood lovers that grow around here, which are the Psilocybe species, the Cyanescence, the uh, Baocystis, the Stuntsii, mm-hmm. and um, the Azurescence, yeah. all all like colder weather. Uh-huh. Um, and and so you're you're generally not going to start finding them until like around early October or sometimes not even until you know around Halloween. And then basically once once it freezes out in the outside, that's going to kill off most. Uh, that's been the experience I've had um, at looking at old field guides. Mm-hmm. Like, and by old, I just mean from like the eighties. Yeah. Um, old like they, those. They. Some of them seem to suggest that you wait until it frosts, and huh. then you won't find them until after the frost. And so I don't know if they have changed because of the climate um, huh. or something else, or whether uh, that was misinformation or... Yeah. But you, you know, I don't know. But, but, but that's not the experience I've had. The experience is that I find them a few weeks before it freezes, and then when it freezes hard yeah. for more than a couple days... They're, they're just they're gone, gone for the rest of the year. And so if you're listening to this program and you want to try mushroom hunting for yourself, you, you should start studying now and get ready for next October because the season is already passed for the most part. Right. There are things that will come up in the spring. Some of the gymnopolis species will come up in the spring. Uh-huh. And uh, the Penelus synctalis, uh, previously called Penelus subaltiatus, uh, will, will come up. In the spring and summer and earlier fall. Okay, um, and those are going to grow just around, like around in Portland or in the outs. Out well, the the Penelus subaltiatus or synctalis um, grow with the horse poop. Okay, that's and right. then the, they're the horse poop ones. And then the Gymnopolis grows out of decaying wood. Uh, you're probably as likely to find them on an old stump as you are in somebody's wood chip bed. Mm-hmm. Or I've even seen them growing out of like handrails. Like yeah. on, on people's porches. Oh, really? Like you're Crazy. walking down the porch and there's a mushroom <laughs> growing out of the handrail. Yeah. And it's... That's funny. You know, uh, so so that's funny. Um, and, and, and then there's a psilocybe species that is not native to the Northwest that's been introduced uh-huh. called uh, Ovoidio cystidiata. Uh-huh. And it grows in the spring. 
Okay. So yeah, so spring and fall are kind of the bigger seasons. Yeah, fall seasons. fall around here by far is going to be and the the, the biggest. Pacific Northwest is kind of like this is prime mushroom hunting real estate much more so than just about anywhere else in in America as far as I know. Is that right or No, Florida Florida, Florida they get the cubensis mm-hmm. um you know like or that that whole like uh uh uh, Gulf of Mexico coast, okay. Gulf Coast area, but not the Midwest um, so much. Not right? the Midwest so much. Well, that that's actually where the Ovoidea cystidiata okay. come from. So is. there are some. So like the Ohio River Valley is kind of yeah. like the the hotbed for Ovoidea cystidiata, uh-huh. and then there's like Wiley Eye in in Georgia. I've I never think. heard of that. Um, and then, so so they're they're kind of all over the place, and yeah. and I think that uh. At, People are learning more and more about mycology all the time, and I uh-huh. think they're going to start discovering that there's stuff growing places where they just they didn't even know to look. I mean, mm-hmm. so many of the the psychedelic mushrooms look just like every other little brown mushroom out there yeah, that that, that people that, yeah. that, that they get overlooked. And that kind of gets into what we were talking about at the start of this conversation. I, I feel like we're going to have to wrap it up pretty soon, but at the start of the conversation, we were discussing how there just wasn't an awareness of mushrooms. Um, in like the the Don Draper Madman era, the '50s, and then there's just kind of been this swell of information and interest since then. And now I feel. Do you feel like people are starting? It's just starting to become more commonplace for people to know about mushrooms, for people to be um, aware that that there is stuff out there growing psychedelic mushrooms that that can be found or oh sure definitely i mean the internet is huge right. for that yeah, you know it it, it only takes a little bit of curiosity yeah. and um uh, uh y- you really have access to a lot of information and mm-hmm. um it it it's really exciting because the information is like changing Mm-hmm. as as you're looking at it you know yeah. so you can check in every six months yeah and have new information about beliefs for instance if that, that's what that you like to hunt now. for you know um so uh, it it's 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 really fun and and then there's all these forums on the internet mm-hmm. uh you are there know? any that you would recommend for people to check out yeah um i mean you got to take into consideration that anybody that's willing to open an account can post on these forums. Uh-huh. So, um, so, so sometimes it takes discretion. a lot of digging, but yeah. like, uh, you know, if you're looking for stuff about effects, mm-hmm. uh, there's Arrowhead. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think the New York Times did an article about Arrowhead recently. recently. Yeah, I saw that. It was um, about the couple behind the website. Yeah, which which really like surprised me. So so you know, psychedelics yeah. are really getting yeah, a lot I, of media totally. attention lately. Yeah. Um and and, and then uh, if if you're interested in the hunting side of things, uh-huh. uh shroomery.org is is okay. really good. Um and 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 that's for really any species whether you're looking for poisonous mushrooms for some reason <laughs> or uh, culinary mushrooms for or some. Or, dark reason <laughs> or or you know anything else they they have um real mycologists that moderate the site and uh are are trusted identifiers they have a little trusted identifier tag on their uh-huh. uh what do you call it it's an avatar or something uh, uh their, pin. A, their pin whatever their yeah. little like thing off to the side uh and and so you can post photographs of whatever mushrooms you find on this site if you're mm-hmm. a uh, uh, a member of the site. And they'll help you identify it. And, and they'll help you identify it. And, yeah. uh, and you know, they're not, they're not messing around. 
they're uh, they're not gonna misinform you. Yeah. Uh, or, cool. or, or or the trusted identifiers aren't going yeah. to. And and if they aren't sure what it is, they will definitely let you know yeah. and and, and tell you how to get them the information that they need in order yeah. to to make that possible. That's um, pretty amazing because that wasn't a resource that was around ten years ago or anything that you could just have an expert identify a picture like that you know you'd have to go to uh, a college or hunt down somebody that could help you out with that right and 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 i think places uh like the shroomery and a bunch of other um you know forums are are huge because or, like mushroom observer is another one mm. um uh, dot com yeah i think observer. it's mushroomobserver.com i don't think it's org maybe uh. yeah, i don't know um but uh it, like these amateur home scientists are are able to really like point these other you know more more professional scientists in in different directions because they're making all these observations yeah. and when you have a million people making observations compared to you know just a few hundred like like a lot of those observations are going to be worthless sure but yeah but, yeah but then you also have this sort of hive mind happening right and you end up with some really amazing observations that that warrant more yeah, uh, looking into. One last thing I wanted to talk about just in the past few weeks, I've been seeing this idea of microdosing popping up in different places on the internet. Um, it was on in an article on the Rolling in the Rolling Stones. This idea with uh, microdosing is this guy James Fadiman, who's been around for quite a while. He's like seventy years old. Oh, sure, I've heard of him. He did a lot of LSD. Testing. Yeah, he did a lot of LSD and. Um, I think that's actually what where he came up with this idea of microdosing, but the idea is to take um, a tenth of what would be considered a normal dose every every four days, so like one day on, three days off, and then one day on. Right, taking I'm a small I'm, amount. I'm f- vaguely familiar with the idea. I mean, yeah, and it's just I, I feel like it's a whole new take on psychedelics. Like instead of just blasting off. And taking a, a heroic dose of something is this idea of like you can take a small amount of something and then go about your daily business. For another example, like just the idea of uh, using um, mushrooms. And I think they've done recently studies on end of life patients taking. Yeah, I've seen I've seen uh, kind of a lot about that. Yeah. There are pe- people with terminal illnesses yeah, like and, cancer uh, coming to terms with, with their own death and, yeah. and talking to their family. And, and those those are really interesting studies to me. Um, uh, it, it, so I think most of these people like had never experienced it before, mm-hmm. correct? And, yeah, it was and, for this study, yeah. And, or, or the one study I'm thinking of and that they all had like some spiritual element to their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something like 75% of them said that it was in the top five experiences they'd ever wow. had in their lives. And and these were all people that hadn't, like, you know, yeah. a, a, experimented with hallucinogens previously in their life. So that's that's really interesting. And then, like, most of those people said that it was uh, uh, the most profound spiritual yeah. experience that they'd ever had as well, which yeah. seems really interesting. They, uh, you know, considering that it's probably people from more... Um, I can't call them conservative. Uh, more, Square. more, more established <laughs> religious, you okay, know, yeah. ideologies. Sure. Uh, their their idea of spirituality had to have changed over right. the process of you know just that few hours in yeah. a room with a doctor. Right. I mean, these yeah, these, this, these guys are in a like a setting. Yeah, it so. is. It's so interesting. It's like 
you know, there's definitely, there's always been this spiritual component to uh, the psychedelic experience. And yet, you know, it's totally illegal to to try it out. You know, it's, it's illegal to to try any of these psychedelic uh, drugs. Well, I mean, so, you know, they're they're scary. Yeah, they they can be very <laughs> intense and very scary. You know, for sure. uh, just just the idea of like yeah. changing the fabric of your reality <laughs> yes. for for terrifying. any amount of time, yeah. like and. And then approaching that from somebody who's completely not interested in doing that. So like like a lawmaker who's not interested in doing that, like looking at that, I, why would that look like a great idea? I, you know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, do you think that maybe it's a good thing that it's uh, that it's so hard to get access to? Like, I, I've kind of wondered that. Like, no, because we... I think it changes people's attitude uh-huh. towards it. There's definitely you know? a stigma about so, it. So if something is like uh uh illicit yeah then then you feel like like a rebel right. doing it right yeah. and and, then, and maybe you do it in order to be a rebel and maybe that's maybe that's part of the charm i mean maybe that's part maybe of the it is you know like maybe it's like being 13 and yeah. uh sneaking away from your parents to smoke cigarettes and sure. then as soon as you don't have to lie to them anymore it's like not exciting yeah oh, these um, suck. <laughs> yeah and 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 they do yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well okay um it's been a great talk It's in the national news that there's a loud, high-pitched noise happening in the evenings or at nighttime here in Forest Grove. So we're asking people if they may have heard it or have any theories about it. Now, why would you ask? Well, we're curious what it might be. So the national news? Yeah, it was in the New York Times the other day. New York Times, there's a loud noise in Forest Grove. It's sort of like a whistle or a... A whistle? Yeah. Dog whistle? Could be, could be. Now, have you heard it yourself? I have not, we, no. We heard a recording of it. Yeah. Sounded kind of like a, it was like high, high intense, almost industrial sound, but it was in the middle of nowhere. So, so you guys don't live here? No, we're know, from we're, Portland. We're out of, yeah. But you're investigating we're curious. the noise. For the radio, we're doing a, a segment on it for X-Ray FM. I haven't heard the noise, uh-huh, but you've heard I've, about uh, it. Heard they were searching for it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a good buddy of mine, Andy Dawes, uh-huh. is trying to pin it, right? So, oh, yes, yeah, he was yeah. the physicist. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I think someone's playing us, but I mean, I've also thought about, like, uh, aliens. You know what? I have a son that's 17, mm-hmm. and he said he saw the guy who does it. Oh, really? My son's 17. He knows everything. The guy came into his office here, or one of these offices here in this brick building here, uh-huh. and they adjusted some things, and then they've been using, you know, government trucks or whatever, GT trucks. Cell phone poles, you know, they get up on them and they start tampering with them and yeah. shit. And adjusting the sewer two protection for the freaking, you know, dials. I'm not sure how it right, works. Right, right. You know, little gas chamber things or yeah. whatever. Not small things. Did you actually see these people? Or? Yeah, I've seen them. They look okay. just like regular workers. Okay. But I mean, I've seen them around town. I can't, they, I can't be specific. What do you think they're they government? Like. No, I think they're outside picking government. Okay. Other governments like Italian government, the English yeah. government, the German government, the Canadian government, what's All left over of the it. place. You know, they call themselves anarchists. It's pretty much like, to say you got a speaker, you know, and you figure out how to, you know, that part where the speaker works. Mm-hmm. Right, say you're like a weirdo or something and you figure out how that speaker works. Sure. You know, and you be a weirdo for a really long time and you figure out how the speaker works without the speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're a weirdo and you figure that out wrong. <laughs> do you think they have a plan? What do you think they're trying to accomplish? Well, they're trying to build it like a structured mind and mm-hmm. a database to collect human life. That's what you guys have to keep down or write a diary about, you know, because right. you can't involve the news and all that.
about right. Right, right. but like when I lay down it's like a really solid buzzing I was an inspector for a number of years for the state of California and that's a mechanical noise uh -huh. maybe a tank is filling up and dropping down and I'd look at like a water plant or something like that because it's it's an alarm okay I'll tell you how you find it uh-huh okay you get 20 students 20 12 packs of beer <laughs> and then you take and you say do you already hear it there then you'd have them drink one beer yeah. and, and say, where do you hear it? And have them approach it closer. <laughs> uh, then you have them uh, then, where they don't hear it. Uh, you make sure you give them a 12 back so yeah. they can stay out there for a while. Yeah. If you're going out there and you're hearing bees, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you normally go, hmm. Mm -hmm. But if they go, hmm, ba, hmm, ba, those are African killer bees. <laughs> I hope it's someone trolling. Is someone trolling? That's what I sort of hope. Well, Les said to come on down here wow. and ask you guys. That's because it's Les doing it. So he's you need to go back over and tell Les. I heard it was in English when he got his head squeezed real tight. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> an old well. Pump starts going out, the bearings will go out. So whenever it turns on to fill that up, you hear the howl of the bearings and really make it an eerie sound. Interesting. And so it only happens when it's pumping, which is only a very short period of time. I've heard it quite a few times. Yeah. It's like... Uh, an eruption of some kind, uh -huh. like a big bang. Uh -huh. um, I'm not too sure what it is, but it definitely is startling. Have you heard any theories about what it might be? No, um, at first I thought it might be like transformers or something, but it could be uh, just different pressures. I don't know. Pressure. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, there's a pesky dog, all right? Uh, uh -huh. It's bothering her. Uh -huh. So she's like a foghorn and stuff, right? Yeah. But one of her neighbors, right, it was saying that she was just too embarrassed to say anything. So she's trying to get rid of a, a no, dog's no. bark? Yeah, 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 that's all it is. You know, it's just like some like loud foghorn kind of type, right? We are now driving away from Forest Grove before the sun sets. Definitely got a very strange vibe. I think that there are different factions involved in this conspiracy and they're playing each other off each other. We did see the vault that was located in the pub that we heard is the origin for this whole US government conspiracy. Lincoln, Abe Lincoln's vault. We were told a joke that I think might be racist. I'm not really sure. I didn't understand it. But we are getting out of Forest Grove while we still can. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I would like to thank our anonymous guest, by name, but I can't, so I won't, but thanks all the same, you know who you are. I'd also like to thank everybody at X-Ray FM, including Arthur Risotto and Gene Forte of Blue Heron Studios for audio engineering this episode, Brandy Godet, our show's producer, and co-host Jason Traeger. Tune in for our next episode of The Magic Hour. It's never a bad trip. It's never a bad trip. It's never a bad trip.